Yeah. It's like when we invite boys to come to a talk on toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boys really want to like really gonna want to come to a talk about to hear <laughs> yeah. how, how toxic your masculinity is, yeah, right? Yeah. Even though it's a really important concept and they need to know about it. Um, it really made me think about how could we bring more white children in so they wouldn't mm. be associating with being white, feeling guilty and shameful. Wow. They would have an association of, no, wait a minute, as long as racism has been around, mm -hmm. there have been white people and people of color working together yeah. to end it. So let's teach them. I want them to know the people right. of color and I want them to know people who look like them. Wow. And so I, we started to realize, I'm like, oh, they don't know what anti-racism is. They have, they have mm. no idea what this is. No. And so Welcome to the Whole Student Podcast with Cal Balaban. Whole Student refers to the magical moment when a student is fully seen, heard, and known. This is the spark of a relationship between student and teacher, where the former is catalyzed on a journey beyond what they thought possible, and the latter is a proud advisor cheering from the sidelines. The Whole Student Podcast asks guests to reflect back to their moment to the person who became a transformative teacher in their lives and on the journey they were set upon, our guest today is Elizabeth Denevi. As director of East Ed, Elizabeth works with schools nationally to increase equity, promote diversity pedagogy, and implement strategic processes for growth and development. She also serves as an assistant professor at Lewis and Clark College in the Graduate School of Education and Counseling and is the co-founder of Teaching While White. At Georgetown Day School in Washington, D.C., she served as the co-director of diversity and a senior administrator for 10 years. Elizabeth has also worked at St. Stephen's and St. Agnes School in Virginia to create a comprehensive professional development program. Elizabeth has published and presented extensively on diversity and academic excellence, social justice and equity issues, including her book, Learning and Teaching While White, Anti-Racist Strategies for School Communities. She holds a PhD from the University of London, Institute of Education, a master's degree from Columbia University, and a bachelor's degree from Northwestern University. It is my pleasure to welcome Elizabeth Denevi to the Whole Student Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you so much. Mm. Uh, you're a luminary, and uh, mm. you have the spotlight on you for what you do and for mm. what you're doing for students throughout the United States and beyond. And I want everyone to go back to that moment when you were a student. Uh, who was the first person to put that spotlight on you? So take us to that student first and describe yourself. Well, it's really interesting because I think a lot of teachers tell the story that oftentimes when we were young, we yeah. decided that we wanted to be teachers. Yeah. I was model student. Uh, I loved school. I've yeah. always loved school. Yeah. And I also was lucky that all my teachers look like me, yeah, uh, which fair. I think makes a big difference. Fair. But I would come home from school and I vividly remember having a little chalkboard in my room and I would set up all my stuffed animals oh and God. I would play school. So After coming home from school? Yeah, I come home from school and I would play school and I would <laughs> okay. teach all. And, and I you loved were the teacher? It. Yeah, and I, oh. and I played the teacher, oh, okay, got it. which was great. And they had to be the students. Would you correct the pedagogy? Um, I did not, I don't think. They were a nice audience, though. They, oh, know, they didn't talk back, which was great. They just did whatever I told them wow. to do, which wow. was lovely. That's awesome. Um, so I, I'm really lucky that, uh, but, but what was interesting, even though I did all that and thought I wanted to be a mm. teacher, when I got to college, I wasn't going to be a teacher. Mm. I was going to go to law school. Mm. Um, and I ended up getting really ill my senior year at Northwestern. Wow. And uh, so I just didn't apply to law school. It didn't happen. And I literally fell into a teaching job. So. Wow. 
somehow in the universe, I was supposed to be, you know, back, uh, get back into schools. And I feel really grateful. My dad was a teacher. Uh, so it's nice to have that legacy as well. Did you ever have your dad as a, uh, as a, as a teacher in your school? I did not. My siblings did. They are much older than me. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I had, I also come from a really athletic family. My dad was also a great coach. Um, and I did have my brother as my coach, which didn't go very well. Uh, Yeah. He coached my high school tennis team and I wasn't very compliant. So I ran laps instead of playing tennis is generally what I did. I usually said something. He was like, all right, Denevi, go run laps. So yes, we're not, the family affair part was not Uh, good, but, uh, but at least, you know, in education. Wow. Well, who put the spotlight on you for the first time? So when you posed the question, I thought about Mrs. Erickson. She was my fourth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I can still see her. I can see her classroom. Mm. I have such a vivid memory of it. And she really, when we talk about issues of showing care for students and mm-hmm. belonging yeah, yeah, and yeah. and making you feel like you were her favorite student. Wow. But in that moment, you were her favorite student, but you also knew that she loved everybody. So oh, it wasn't wow. sort of that power dynamic that, that sometimes you yeah, can yeah, have in yeah. a classroom. Yeah. And so she actually, she made me feel smart at a time when, um, and it's not hard to believe, but I was fairly outspoken, uh, even from the time when I was younger. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times it was teachers saying, yeah, thanks, thanks, Elizabeth, that's fine, but you need to sort of check yourself. And I always felt sort of a sort of a gendered component yeah, about course. that. Like, you need to act more like girls should be acting wow. kind of a thing. And girls aren't outspoken or mm-hmm. they aren't, they don't do this, they don't do that. And it always frustrated me. And mm. she was the first teacher who never made me feel small and wow. always made me feel like whatever I was doing, it was just fine. And literally yeah. I think of her and I smile. It's, it's such, it's mm-hmm. lovely to recall her. I have no idea where she is or what she's doing, wow. um, but she was amazing. Did you, did you stay in touch with her at some point? When you left? I didn't, unfortunately. Wow. Um, I wish, gosh, I would love to know where, you know, where she was. If if she, uh, was. if she listened to this podcast and she listened mm-hmm. to you shouting out her name, mm-hmm. and is there a particular memory or a moment uh, in that relationship that you recall that makes you smile? I remember I did children's musical theater. Mm. Again, no surprise. And uh, I was in the play and I was at a local regional theater, I was doing children's theater, not only, we actually had a theater program at my elementary school, which was sort of amazing. And then in Northern California, where I grew up, I was also part of a regional theater group. Mm. And she came to see my show, yeah, and didn't tell me about it. Like, I didn't know she was coming, she just came and watched it. Oh, wow. And I came into class, must have been the next day or after the weekend or whatever it was, and I'll never forget, she like leaned over and she, I, I, I can like feel it as I'm telling you. She like leaned over and she was like, I came and saw your show on Saturday. And she's like, you were spectacular. And oh, she's like, wow. I had so much fun. It was so great, you know? Oh and goodness. it was sort of like a thank you for being you. Wow. But this idea that your teacher would come and see you and go out of her mm-hmm. way, but didn't tell, like, didn't tell me about it. Yeah, didn't yeah, make, yeah. It was like a passing little comment. And I just remember feeling wow. like I grew like six inches in my desk wow, and I can course. still, you know, remember it wow. and her walking away and just, but very subtle, right? Yeah. She just like dropped it and then we went on with class. So I think wow. sort of that 
subtlety, but also deep caring, wow. but was just really easy about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now I can visualize the moment I see you in class. Uh, I can feel that relationship. Um, wow. Uh, one of the questions I ask uh, folks who come as guests on the show is, uh, if I gave you a magic wand and you can bring five of your teachers together for a dinner, uh, folks that have inspired you or folks that saw you or otherwise, really, mm -hmm. your choice. Wave it. Who, who's, coming to, who's coming to that dinner? So I think definitely Miss Erickson. I also had an amazing kindergarten teacher Miss okay. Cap, who I did have a chance to see. I was back home visiting my mom and ran into her in the grocery store. You did? Yep, and had like a fan moment with her oh my like God. in the middle of Lenardi's, like, Mrs. Cap. Um, oh, wow. And she taught kindergarten for like 30 years. Um, oh, my God. And she looked the same. And she, again, caring. It's all about the belonging, right? Like, wow. I still remember how she looked at us, right? And just made us feel special. Were you a, were you a teacher at that point? Are you moving to education? Uh, yes, I was. And she was super, and it was oh, really wow. fun to be able to say, oh my guess what? I'm a teacher. And oh, she was goodness. so excited. Wow. So I, I would love to have those two. I also had a great ninth grade English teacher, uh, Mr. Meredith, who was fantastic. Mm. And he was another one who made me feel smart and sort of said like, you know what? You're smart and mm. you could go far. And, and when, when and how did he do that? Um, I just remember, it's funny because I ended up being an English teacher yeah. and he was in English class and he loved my comments and he mm. sort of said, huh, that's a great insight about the book or, oh, oh or, and he often would say, oh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, You know, it's so powerful yeah. when a teacher's not looking for the right answer, yeah. but you feel like you made them think. Mm. Um, so he was really terrific. And then I had a great drama teacher in high school and um, he was the one who told me to go to Northwestern. Hmm. Um, he said, you're really smart and you should do theater. And I didn't even know about Northwestern. Wow. But I didn't stay in touch with him. So again, I, I oh, would wow. like to have all of them. Wow. And then the other person I would add, and she wasn't my teacher, because she, she died during the civil rights movement, but it's a woman named Violet Liuzzo, okay. uh, also an Italian-American woman. And wow. she was one of the white women who um, helped folks during the civil rights movement, and mm -hmm. she drove people to vote. Mm. And, and one thing I was never taught, it's one of the things we do at Teaching While White, but I was never taught about the white people of the civil rights movement. That's right. I learned about all the folks of color, and I'm glad I did, but yeah. there was no modeling for me. There was wow. no way to see what would it mean to be a white person during mm -hmm. that time and what would anti-racism have looked like. And yeah. so Violet has taught me, even though, what, but I've read a lot about yeah. her and her story. And so I would love to ask her, what did it feel like to be a mm. white woman out there? Yeah. Like facing the Klan and wow. and really going against him down in the deep South and and really, and then literally risked her life. Wow. Uh, and I, I would want to know how did she build relationships yeah. with the people of color? Like, yeah. how did they trust her? How yeah. did you make that happen? So when, she's a kind of teacher, but was never, I was never in a classroom with fair. her. Oh, I'm, I'm curious, when did you learn about her? What, what point in your life? Oh, just recently, um, wow. we did a project at Teaching While well White where we've started to realize, I do, I do a lot of, um, I measure something called school membership. Yeah. So I go in and I interview students around yeah. the country about their racialized experience yeah. in schools. Yeah. And over and over again, I kept interviewing white students who mm -hmm. just said, I, you know, the only time we talk about race is when we talk about enslavement. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure 
the teachers are just teaching us about that to make us feel bad about being white. That's right. They just, yeah. They're just trying to tell us we're racist. Yeah, yeah. And I realized, oh my goodness, if we wonder why more white people aren't working towards anti-racism. Yeah. Well, if the only picture we've drawn for them is that they're racist. Yeah. It's like when we invite boys to come to a talk on toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boys really want to, like, really going to want to come to a talk about, to hear <laughs> yeah. how, how toxic your masculinity is, yeah, right? Yeah. Even though it's a really important concept and they need to know about it, um, it really made me think about how could we bring more white children in so they wouldn't mm. be associating with being white, feeling guilty and shameful. Wow. They would have an association of, no, wait a minute. As long as racism has been around, mm -hmm. there have been white people and people of color working together yeah. to end it. So let's teach them. I want them to know the right. people of color and I want them to know people who look like them. Wow. And so I, we started to realize, I'm like, oh, they don't know what anti-racism is. They have, they have mm. no idea what this is. Wow. And so I started researching and there weren't a lot of resources. And so on Teaching While White, mm. we have a free resource and it's wow. just all white anti-racist activists, uh, past and present. Wow. And there's a number of scholars now who've sort of picked that up and are putting compendiums together that way. And those stories were there. Uh, they just were never accessible. So wow. we've done that probably in the last... I would say maybe three or four years. It's also in our new book too. We included yeah. the list, but just wow. to try to inspire folks that if you're going to teach about the civil rights yeah. movement or you're going to teach about race and racism, yeah. um, make sure all the children get to see yeah. somebody who looks like them. Absolutely. Because it's only going to end when we all work together. Wow. wow. So. I appreciate that. Well, I wasn't going to ask you this, uh, but you sparked my curiosity. So in your journey uh, as an educator, as a person who's continued to educate so many what was the first teacher of color you had? Uh, graduate school, Margot wow. Jefferson at Columbia. Wow. When I was doing my master's in American studies, she was the first one. Wow. And I, I remember her. She taught in this really great, huge classroom because I think she still writes for the New York Times. She's an mm. incredible journalist and mm -hmm. has written a bunch of amazing books. Wow. And uh, yeah, she was the first one. And it's just so... You know, I often ask white teachers to think about when was um, your first teacher of yeah, color, yeah. and sadly, vast majority, if they had if they had a teacher yeah. of color, was not until um, college or graduate school. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, g given the work that you do and the impact you're having, have you stayed in touch with her? I have not, and that was one of those things where like she was sort of a superstar. Yeah, and yeah. there's like 300 people in the class or yeah, whatever sure. it was, and you just sort of sit and hang on her every word. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember just how powerful mm. it was and how different her class was, and I don't think at the time I knew why it was different. I wow. loved the way she taught. She was a storyteller, mm. um, and she really connected. and And I think, and so at that moment, when we start to think about why is it important to have a racially diverse faculty. Mm. That was the first moment I was like, huh, there's it something right there's something different. Yeah, something wow. different about her that I really connected with wow. and really appreciate. I'm glad you recalled her for me. I haven't yeah. thought about her in a long time, so that's, that's great. awesome. I hope she listens to this episode. That would, that would be, be awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, the season is special. Uh, we're focusing on entrepreneurs, and you're one. Uh, you're not in a traditional sense, but you're a social justice entrepreneur. You're trying to change the world. Uh, you're a writer. A uh, podcaster, uh, a thought leader, you're doing all these things. At some point, someone inspired you to go it alone, to make it happen. Who was that? <laughs> well, um, it was 
unfortunately a negative experience. Okay. Um, so yeah. I wish it could be sort of a hmm. positive. It was just a horrible experience I had as a leader wow. uh, in a school where I didn't feel seen, valued, or heard uh, in wow. any way. And it was sort of running from that in a way. Mm. I will say my husband out of that experience helped to sort of remind me like, you know, you don't have to be in spaces where you feel small. Yeah. You could just sort of do your thing and yeah. see what happens and sort of trusting. So I guess definitely wow. my husband, but yeah, for me, it was more having to be in a, in a really negative situation in yeah. a way and, and just trying to get out of it. And now I really try to, when folks are having a really hard time in schools, yeah. you know, I try to say like, there's lots of places you can shine your light yeah. um, and have a number of folks, um, often people of color, but other folks too, who I think have been underserved in some ways um, right. in our schools that have found other spaces. And we've always said, we're going to start a club for all of us who, you know, wow. sort of went a different direction, but, but now I'm in moving from, that was in K-12 schools and, mm -hmm. and now being in higher ed, it's been really interesting because I've gone from being an administrator yeah. to being back on faculty. Yeah. And that's been a really interesting, I don't <laughs> know what? how good of a faculty member I am. Mm. Uh, I think I'm, I probably uh, give my supervisor uh, challenges at certain times. Uh, well, but. You know, as a student, I can, I can tell you that I feel like one of your stuffed animals, <laughs> right? You know, captive audience. Oh, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Wow. So it's nice to be back teaching and I work, I'm working mainly with graduate students who are studying to be wow. leaders in schools. That's and awesome. so that feels great. Yeah. Well, even that last part of your story, even though it was a negative catalyst, how inspirational that you didn't shut down. You didn't say, okay, I, I guess this, I've hit the wall, the ceiling. You innovated like mm -hmm. an entrepreneur would yeah. and, and you made it possible. And because you kept the work going, so many schools, so many teachers, and so many students are benefiting from the work. Yeah, yeah that's the good part about it. And I felt like I'm, I've had a lot of privilege, both class privilege and racial privilege. And yeah. it was a way to sort of leverage that to a certain extent and walk out. And I feel like the work I get to do now, both running the nonprofit, um, and then we have these great, I think entrepreneurs are also great collaborators. Yeah. And so some of the best work we're doing is we are working now with regional associations that may work mm. with like 12 schools or 15 schools yeah. or 40 schools. And then we're partnering with funders wow. who have a lot of money to give away yeah. and how we're bringing that to bear. So I'm also really enjoying the collaboration and coalition building yeah. that you can do right. that oftentimes I think in independent schools can often be competitive and don't know how to work well together, yeah. but a rising tide will lift all boats. That's so right. I, I love that part. It's That's something that I, I didn't realize would be so great about sort of striking out yeah. on your own. And now I have this amazing group of colleagues around the country who yeah. we can call on and bring in. So I've really, I never would have described myself that way. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I've really, it's scary too, because if you screw up, like yeah. there's no institution behind you in some way. Yeah. Um, but you also get to, um, I get to do what I want to do. That's right. Every day. That's right. And not a lot of folks can say that. Yeah, so fair I, enough. That feels really special. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what it feels like to be seen, heard, and known and not. And mm. now you're helping build community by seeing, hearing, and making people feel known throughout the world. I hope so. Yeah, I hope wow. so. Well, Elizabeth, thank you. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your spirit, uh, your story, and appreciate you for moving learners to reflect back to their teachers, those that inspired them. And, uh, and through your story, provide young entrepreneurs inspiration as well. Um, Great. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, as we say on the Whole Student Podcast, class dismissed. Uh, the Whole Student Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Duncast and produced by J.D. Scroggin, the Director of Marketing and Communication at the Dunn School and co-produced by Brandon Scott of Comfort Food. You can subscribe to the Whole Student Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe today. Thank you.